Hello and welcome to our final conference preview. Patrick, we're hitting the SEC tonight, baby. Greatest conference in the world. A little preview of week one. Uh, You know, we're finally here. Uh, I don't really have too much to say other than I'm I'm ready for the games. And Patrick, if you'll allow me, I'm going to hit that music real quick. It's so beautiful. If you don't see me right now, I'm dabbing really hard into the mic. <laughs> Podcasting is a visual media. Yes. That is one of the best sounds you could ever hear right there. Uh, you are damn right. Okay. Uh, our first team is those Florida Gators who will find themselves on that 330 game, I think, a few times. Mm-hmm. Uh Last year they went eight and four, eight and two. Uh, frankly, put a pretty good scare in Alabama in the conference championship game, and if and lost a few close games, uh, three points to A and M, three points to LSU because of a shoe throw. Uh, Florida was a very good team uh, last year. However, they lose Kyle Trask, they lose Kyle Pitts, they lose a lot of talent on defense. Patrick, do you think Emory Jones can step up and take this team back to the SEC title game? Uh, nope. Absolutely <laughs> not. Um, a full Dan Mullen offense is something truly great to see, um, but that ain't this this year. Uh, they Emory Jones ain't Kyle Trask. Yeah, and I think even like they bring back their top rushers from last year, but when you're only averaging – when you have less than five yards to carry, that's doesn't really put you as much of a standout running back at all, especially in this conference. So it's not even one of those situations where it's like, hey, we'll let the quarterback figure it out, let the run game carry us, uh, because uh, the run game just isn't very good in my opinion. Uh, they, Of course, it's Florida. It's the SEC. They have a shitload of talent. That's not, that's not going to be the problem here. Uh, Dan Mullen being a moron might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know, Emory Jones is a mobile quarterback. He could be like a Dick Prescott, I guess. But, I mean, there is a Kitna boy and a Del Rio boy right behind him, as long as yeah. blue, uh, as well as blue chipper Anthony Richardson. So, I don't know if he's really – I mean, if he's not getting it done early, it could be a nice a bait and switch there. Yep. Um, I mean, they lost, like, what, eight big stars in the NFL this year. They don't have – Pitts, Tony's gone. They lost two of their best blockers in the O-line. Yeah, um, they lost a ton. And then if you flip over to the defense, Kyrie K- Elam is really good, but that secondary was bad last year, and they're replacing three starters. Uh, I just don't – like, I. this is another one of the situations where you bring back five on offense, four on defense. Most years that's enough, but we've talked about it plenty with the COVID – that puts you near the bottom of the country in returning production. Yeah, I mean, that defense was garbage last year. I mean, 428 yards allowed per game. Uh, yeah. And they I mean, ranked 100th in passing yards allowed. And you're telling me four of six defensive back starters are gone? Yep. Uh, I, I don't know about this one, Cotton. Yeah, I, I don't feel great about Florida. I mean, luckily they're in a bad division. But I don't think this and like they're never going to be that bad. Um, yeah, they're they're going to be fine. This isn't a Will Muschamp team. Yeah, but I don't I don't really see them pushing Georgia. Uh, spoiler alert um, for the East title. Yeah, I mean I don't 
I do not see them winning more than nine games. I'm going to take the under on this. There, okay. There's definitely regression coming, but it's not end of the world for Florida Gator fans. They're going to be fine. They just won't be 2020 elite status. Yeah, I'm taking the under as well. I think, yeah, eight wins, nine wins. Um, yeah, it, it's just not it's not quite there yet. Like maybe, like you said, if Emory Jones is Dak Prescott level, we're having a different conversation, you know, three or four weeks in. We'll see. All right, their chief rival in the East and a team that one of us has uh, holds near and dear. Uh, it's those Georgia Bulldogs. Let's get the Go Dogs. Eight and two last year, um, seven and two in the conference. Uh, a loss to Alabama where they really hung around in it, even with the mailman Stetson Bennett, and then a frankly a bad loss to Florida where the defense couldn't stop anybody. Mm-hmm. However, JT Daniels only played those back four games, and he managed to throw for over twelve hundred yards in just four starts. Patrick, as a resident Dogs fan here, I got one question, one question only. Is this the year? This, this I think is the year. If this isn't Ooh. the year, I don't know when it's going to be. Um, yeah, they are definitely the the most talented team I think out of all the SEC. Uh, they have just studs across the board here on offense and defense. JT yep. Daniels is definitely primed and has the tools to take this team to the promised land. I mean, George has been here before. Georgia's been in the championship game before with a garbage quarterback. J.D. Mm-hmm. Daniels is way better than that. And, I mean, he looks – like you said, he looked amazing the last four games of the season. Yes, he played yep. garbage defenses, but he played efficiently, and that's what matters. Yeah, 10 touchdowns, only two interceptions. Those are the type of numbers you need to see. And here are my notes. I mean, here's what I have to say about the rest of the offense. I just have Zamir White, bro, with like four question marks. Uh, I love Zamir White. I think he is a outside shot Heisman candidate. Yeah, he's, he's a, a workhorse, breakaway speed. The only thing I could see being an issue for him um, in terms of winning the Heisman is there are four other very talented running backs right there with him, which uh, works out pretty nicely for Georgia. Uh, yeah, James they're uh, is a stud. Kenny McIntosh yep. is a stud. Dejon Edwards, all those guys had over 35 carries last year, all over five yards of carry. Uh, you know, so they can hit you in a myriad of different ways with the rushing attack. Uh, George Pickens out wide got hurt again, that poor kid. But they bring back. Their top five receivers as well, or outside of Pickens, their top four receivers. Uh, you know, you can't really find a flaw on this team on offense. I think uh, a big – I don't know if it's a flaw, but they don't have that gravitational guy now that Pickens is gone. I mean, they have pretty good receivers and <clears throat> Karis Jackson, Jermaine Burton, and Dominic Blaylock. And they have, like, two of the best tight ends in the country in Darnell Washington and Arik Gilbert, the transfer from LSU, but – Right now, it, he's not with the team currently. He's going through some health, mental health issues, so we'll see how that one plays out. Um, but with Pickens gone, it's going to be kind of – the only question I have is who's going to step up in his absence. But there's just so many targets that JT Daniels has at his disposal there, and all those running backs can catch out of the backfield. Yeah. So it's it, the ball's going to be spread, and it's going to be great. Yeah. Now on defense – uh, because Georgia is so good, they sent a lot of guys to the NFL. Only four starters are back, and they had some key transfers come in. 
but some of those guys are out for at least this first week Clemson game, which could be an issue. Obviously, not having a nice little SoCon warm up game will be a little tough. Um, so basically, for me, it just comes down to can this defense just find their level and be the normal dogs defense we have come to expect? Uh, I mean, five stars all over the field. Uh, and if I they're not five possible. stars, they're four stars. I think that's reasonable too. Um, the, the biggest question here is their secondary. I mean, they yeah. uh, six of the eight, I think, 100 snap players are gone. I mean, they did get Tyke Smith from West Virginia, but he's injured, like you said. Um, they have Clemson's cornerback, Darian Kendrick. Uh, yeah. the, the, the big thing here is they need to gel fast, they need to play great together quick, or this Clemson game is going to get out of hand. Um, I think that with Tyke Smith gone, it's, I'm, I'm a little concerned here. Um, but I mean, they still have the best D line in the SEC led by Jordan Davis. Um, yeah. they probably have the second best linebacking core, even though they lost three, but they have Adam Anderson, Channing Tindall, Xavier Swarry Jr. They, I mean, those guys can keep that unit in elite status. So, I mean, really the secondary is the only big question here. Um, We'll see how it plays out come week one or, you know, Saturday. But. Yeah, and, yeah, it'll be tough. And you have a guy like Kelly Ringo, number one recruit in 2020, or number one cornerback recruit in 2020. Uh, he missed last year with an injury, so you have to see, is he ready right away? Uh, Clemson, last side check, has some pretty good wideouts. Um, yeah, and but Justin Ross is back. The, the nice part for Georgia is – even if they lose that game against Clemson, um, I mean, obviously they're in the SEC. Losing one game to a top five team the first game of the season isn't going to kill your season. And, you know, their chief rival in Florida is a little bit down. Their rivalry with Auburn. Auburn's a mess right now. So the schedule breaks for them pretty nicely. Yeah. Uh, so obviously if they lose that Clemson game, they can't afford a, uh, you know, loss to South Carolina like they had a couple of years ago. Or, you know, fucking around listening to Kentucky or something. Yeah. But I, the over unders 10 and a half. I just think the schedule is too easy and they're too experienced and talented for them to go under that. Yep. I agree with you. I think if they beat Clemson, they are winning every other game the rest of the season. I'm going to go yeah, the over I, here. Yeah. Uh, I would agree with that. Um, now let's go to a program that is basically the polar opposite of Georgia. Um, they're a fellow former power, and this team is an absolute mess. You know, I'm talking about the Tennessee Volunteers, three and seven last year, and I don't know if there's such thing as a good three and seven, but this was a bad three and seven. Yep, uh, they didn't beat anyone of note. They just beat teams that are their equal, and you know, fucking Vanderbilt. Great job. Yeah, and on top of that, Jeremy Pruitt got canned well after the season was over. Uh, oh, yeah. made some investigations. Um, there's definitely not a lot of appeal here. Um, I, the only thing that maybe is appealing to watch is, you know, Hupel's first year. I guess technically it's a year zero for him because he joined in so late in the se- uh, off season. I guess. Yeah, this yeah this is a year zero for him uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, not just because of the off, but uh, but um. It's One big good. thing I think I'm going to really enjoy about watching, if I ever watch a Tennessee game, which I probably will, the Georgia-Tennessee game November 13th. Yeah, it is one. Um, their offense is going to be a lot different from last year. It's going to be more up-tempo, uh, up, 
up tempo. It's going to have no huddle, quick. So it could be pretty fun to watch. Um, but other than that, man, I don't, I don't know what to tell you with that. Yeah, we got two starters back on offense. One of them, I mean, this is the issue here. Their player to watch on offense is their le- is their uh, yeah left tackle Cade Mays. He's yeah. great. That's cool. But when you have all of your best players, uh, Eric Gray on offense, running back, transferred right to Oklahoma. Jarek Guantanamo transferred. Henry Toa Toa transferred to Alabama. That's got to hurt. Uh, it's not a good situation right now and, for Tennessee. And I know the fans are impatient. You know, it's, it's a hard job in a crazy college football town. It's a very passionate fan base. But they can't run Hypel out of town in two years. Or we'll be doing this again in 2023 or 2024. Uh, They have to be patient. This is a year zero. Um, They lost a lot on defense too, man. I mean, depth uh, is a serious issue there. It's they lost their, I think their top four linebackers. I mean, they have like a good rusher and a cornerback, but that pass defense was horrid last year. So it might not be a good year for Tennessee. And you're right; those those fans need to hold off on that panic button this early. Yeah, we got to. He's gonna have to rip this down to the studs, get his guys in, uh, and you know it might not work out. You know, it, most hires don't, but yeah. uh, this is they're in a bad place right now. Um, I, you know, if I bet if you ask the average Tennessee fan, maybe inject them with a little truth serum or you know Tennessee moonshine, I think they are missing Butch Jones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that's really going to come to a head, I think, next weekend versus Pitt. That's just a little preview to next week's Sicko Game of the Week. Mm. Uh, another team that in the East, uh, Tennessee's neighbor, the Kentucky Wildcats. A solid 5-6, and 4-6 and six in the SEC last a year. respectable 5-6. Yeah. Um, however, they were 107th in the nation in scoring, averaging just over 21 points a game. They were in the bottom 10 in passing offense, in total offense. Uh, so Mark Stoops wisely uh, fired his offensive coordinator and brought in Liam Cohen who is another L.A. Rams, Sean McVay, bullshit, wonder boy kid. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, oh. Kentucky really had a rough year last year. Um, I mean, COVID wiped out this team. Yeah. Their star linebacker, Chris Oates, suffered a stroke and nearly died in the offseason. Um, on top of that, their longtime O-line coach, John Schlarman, died from cancer during the season. And then they yeah. had to play. So they, they went through emotionally a lot as a team. So it, it might have had an effect on their outcome of the season, but passing has always been an issue here in Kentucky. They've never had like a star quarterback. Um, but uh, the quarterbacks, I mean, I don't know what Liam Cohen's going to be able to do here because the quarterbacks they have on paper are not great passing quarterbacks. I mean, they have Penn State transfer Will Levis. Um, we'll see. He had 16 QBR against man coverage last year. So, uh, it's yeah. bad, folks. PU. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you can't win the Penn State job, I, you know I'm not going to sit here and say that you're just going to roll into the SEC East and dominate. Yep, I mean, they do have some positives. Uh, Chris Rodriguez Jr. is a really big, aggressive, effective running back that makes Kentucky offenses so great. I would say so. They have a yeah. really big O line, so they'll probably be running it a lot. I could, you know, things are, you know, could be going well for the program. 
Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I I think Cohen could fix this team a little bit, and the offense doesn't even have to be great. It just has to be not dog shit, and yeah. this team could win seven, maybe even eight games. Um, maybe finish in the top three in the East. You know, how, unfortunately for them, the schedule is a little tough. Yeah, uh, we go. There's a three, actually a four week stretch here. Florida, LSU, at Georgia, at Mississippi State, and the Air Raid. That's not super easy to prepare for. Um, they could, that, uh, yeah. yeah, that Air Raid that they're going up against with like the defense they have that has zero disruption. It's it's not going to be yeah. pretty. Yeah, so they could run through that, maybe win two of those games, um, or they could easily get blown out in all four. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see with Kentucky. The over and under is seven. I think that's about where they're at. However, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to say six and six. Yeah. Uh, there's too many unknowns here and seven's a lot for a team with this many unknowns. I mean, I think they're the third best SEC East team for sure, but they are a 500 team at best. Yeah. Speaking of unknowns, the Vanderbilt Commodores, you want to talk about year zero. This is a year negative one. This is going to take a long fucking time. Yeah. Normally, under Derek Mason, Vanderbilt at least had a decent defense. Uh, Last year, they finished uh, 121st in total defense. 487 yards a game. Uh, Lest you think that was just uh, some late game stuff. In terms of yards per play, they were 126. Uh, and in efficiency, they were also 126. It's, it's just a, it's a bad team. Clark Lee coming over from Notre Dame is trying to transform this program. Uh, he he hired, wanted this job. Like, I'm surprised. Yeah. I was reading about him, and it's like he, he has always wanted this job. Like, he wants to be here. So that could be a very – beneficial thing for this program going forward but it, it like you said it's going to be a while like i mean he talked about a 10-year plan for this team and that is a long time and i and honestly i think that's what they need yeah. they're thinking differently now they brought in uh the recruiting website 247 they brought in their national director of recruiting to help run this program and identify the type of kids that will succeed at Vanderbilt because as seen by Notre Dame and Stanford and um, you know, uh, Northwestern other high academic institutions, it's possible. Those guys are out there. You just have to sell Vanderbilt to them. Nashville is a cool town. It's not, this isn't a situation where they're in the middle of nowhere in a bad conference. You know, this is the SEC and you're right in the thick of it. This should be, it's not. I don't know if it should be. It's not impossible. Right. Yeah, it's. They got seventeen guys back. Um, it yep. won't matter, but they'll improve nope. from last year. Um, I'm not going to go over much, but their offense has some talent. They got two good wide receivers. Um, some opt outs return. Um, their defense is awful. I think yeah. their linebacker Elijah McAllister is the only bright spot. Uh, the over under is. Uh, three. I don't see three wins for this program. Uh, two, maybe. So I'm going to take yeah. that I, I mean, they should be able to beat East Tennessee State and UConn. And 
if maybe if they get three, but we don't do pushes, they might snag one from Colorado State. But yeah, they're going to be a little bit better. But it's going to be a while till Vanderbilt yeah gets respectable. Yeah, Jay Collar ain't walking through that door. No, because vaccination is required. Um. <laughs> uh, Another team I think is an absolute mess, but I know you don't. Uh, I think we'll have a little debate here. Uh, is South Carolina two and eight last year? Um, beat Vanderbilt and then managed to beat Auburn. Uh, my question for this team is: Why didn't they hire a better coach? Ah, you know that was mind-boggling to me. Is why they hired Shane Beamer. Like Jamie Chadwell is right there. He's in state. I. I don't understand, like, wh- where on paper were you like, this is the guy right here? Like, it, he, It's a bizarre hire. Billy Napier, right there, he wants an SEC job. And not only is it a bizarre hire, it's just, like, such in the very large, tall task. It's yeah. a huge task for a coach like this to take over a program like South Carolina in the state that it's in right now. Yeah, and to further this state of disarray, uh, Zeb Noland, who is 24 years old, who had stays at Iowa State, North Dakota State, and he was at he's, the only reason he was in Columbia was because he was a graduate assistant coach. Uh, and then Luke Doty badly sprained his foot uh, about 10 days, two weeks ago, and they made Zeb Noland, they turned him from coach into quarterback, and he will be starting this Saturday against Eastern Illinois. Uh, my thoughts on that are, uh-oh, not good. Yeah. I I was the first concerned there. Um, whenever you have – I don't even know the last time a team's relied on a, a something like this happening. I – you know, I've been watching football like a complete little freak for over 10 years. I can't think of anything even close. I'm pretty sure like a year or two ago there was a situation happening like this where they were about to let this happen. The NCAA, NCAA 7 said, no, 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 you can't do this um, for some uh, specific reason. I just can't remember the top of my head. But regarding this QB problem, um, I do think that Shane Beamer is going to be running the damn ball on this offense. Um, yeah. Their running back, Kevin Harris, is sneaky good. Like very, he's, he's, He is yeah. the second best rusher last year in the SEC. He had 113 yards per game, um, 80% of the O-line return. So there's definitely a positive right there that they could they could easily run the ball down some teams' throats. It's just dependent on if their defense gets better, which they were not great last year. They lost a lot, too. Yeah. Um, and if they rely on transfers, one from Kansas, I'm a little concerned on that side of the ball. Uh-huh. But uh, I think that it's, it's a tall task for Shane Beamer. Um, I think they will be – I think if there's a buy-in, like if the team buys into the philosophy this coach is bringing to the program, the culture he's building, I think that a bowl could be possible. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I was trashing the Beamer hire a little bit. But you benefit from – the holding line is back. That helps. Zach Pickens is a, is a very good player. Uh, and their schedule is easy as fuck. Yeah. Opening with Eastern Illinois into East Carolina, that helps when those are your, I mean, and then Troy, if those are your three non-cons before you get to, you know, fucking Clemson, uh, that's helpful. And then their SEC West crossover games at A&M, that's a loss, but whatever. But then you get a down Auburn at home. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're in the East, so you get Tennessee, 
and you get Vanderbilt, uh, you get, you know, Kentucky is a question mark. Uh, I do think if things break right, like you said, I, I think five, six wins is definitely on the table, especially if Nolan, because if he's, you know, I don't know what he's been doing since he graduated North Coast State in the spring. I he's been eating cheeseburgers or if he's still been hitting the weights. If he's if he's pretty good, and he could be. I mean, North Coast State is a very good FCS team, better than probably 30, 40 FBS teams. Um, they could be all right. I don't know if I'm necessarily counting on it. It is South Carolina. Um, yeah, I would look at the numbers at Zeb, uh, how he played at North Coast State behind Trey Lance. He didn't really post up a lot of good numbers for me to get yeah. a picture on how he's going to be. So I don't. That's a huge question mark there for sure. Um, but I'm probably I'm going to take the over. Three point five is an easy easy over here for me. Yeah, I, I think, surprisingly enough, I think I'm going to take the over, too. The non-conference is too soft. And, uh, again, Vanderbilt. Last team in the East, um, the most true uh, purebred SEC powerhouse, uh, Missouri. Um, again, a very solid 5-5 five and five last year. Hung with Alabama better than about anyone. Um, beat LSU, beat a Kentucky. Um then, granted, they also got like their their brains kicked out of their head by Tennessee, Georgia, and Florida. So that's not great. Um, but is this the third best team in the East? It can be. Um, Eli Drinkwitz, favorite coach, name by the way, uh, had a very yeah. solid year year one for a coach. Um, he didn't really get an off season with the team, uh, so he's got a full season on the belt with them. Uh, one rare thing that hardly ever happens in NCAA football, the year one coach is finding a quarterback. And I'm pretty sure they did in Connor Bazelak. Um, yeah. That's a very good positive for them. Uh, their offense is pretty good. Uh, they got good running back in Tyler Beatty. Um, some good receivers, including uh, Jerry Macklin's cousin, Jay Macklin. They mm-hmm. got a, I think a blue chamber from Ohio state transfer, Mookie Cooper. Um, yeah. So I think that they could, they're going to be, uh, they could easily push to be the third best team if Kentucky starts kind of stumbles out the gate. Yeah. I like Bazelak. I think he's a pretty dynamic quarterback. He didn't have a ton of touchdowns last year, but when you can just hand the ball off to Larry Roundtree, the third, I, you know, some, some scores are going to get vultured. Yeah. Um, my only issue with this team. Because they're they're a solid team, they're efficient. Bazelak is a good player; he doesn't make a ton of mistakes. There's no big play potential here. Mm-hmm. And to win in the SEC, uh, you can't just nickel and dime your way down the field, um, especially when you have a talent deficiency like Missouri does. Yeah, they got to hit some big plays. Um, you know, four of their top five receivers are back, but they were dead average in big plays last year. Uh, especially if their defense is going to be as bad as it was. Uh, the last three games of the year, they gave up 48, 49, 51 points. Good Lord. Yeah. That's, uh, that's just not good enough. I mean, plain and simple, they gave up 41 to Florida. They, they gave up 41 to LSU. Uh, they gave up 35 to Tennessee, which is damning right there. Um, they bring back six starters, but – if the offense is going to be pedestrian, 
and the defense is going to be bad, then we're looking at another, you know, five and seven, six and six team. But um, I, if the offense is better and the yeah. defense is just not awful. I, I mean, well, I defense, this, defensive, defensively, they hired a pretty prominent name and defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes, who was right. got a very long NFL history, I'd say. Um, yeah. I mean, he's got a good I – mean, it can be improved for sure. I mean, the back end needs to be shorn up, but they got some transfers. They got two Tulsa cornerbacks. Um, they got a pretty good safety. Uh, they got a good D-line. That's a good start. Uh, like you said, I, I, honestly, I think 8-4 and four is possible with this team, uh, looking at their schedule. But, yeah. uh, I mean, because they have to play Central Michigan, Southeast Missouri State, some yeah. – I mean, North Texas – it's they they got some Vanderbilt. I mean, they got it's possible. I think. Yeah, I honestly think this is a pretty the over under seven. I think they're pretty comfortably over, um, even you know given the criticism I gave them. Uh, yeah, I think this is an eight, maybe even a nine win team. They will still get like their doors blown off by Georgia, yes, uh, and, and Texas A and M, but that doesn't mean they're bad. They're just. Yeah. You know, I, I think this is a good team. I think this is a solid bowl team. Like you said, eight and four seems to be about what I'm projecting. Yep, I agree. Uh, that wraps up the East. We go in Georgia all the way there. Georgia, absolutely. Yeah, I just don't think any team can quite compete with what they have. Let's move on to the SEC West. We'll open up with the big dogs, Alabama. Last year's defending national champions, they rolled through their schedule. Uh, like that Florida game was the closest one by six. And then they beat Notre Dame by 17 in the playoff. But it could have been a lot more. So uh, my base question here is, will they lose a regular season game? Uh, yes, I think they can. I think it's very possible. Um, this is the most turnover that Nick Saban has faced in a long time. Um, will it matter? Probably not, but I think they can easily drop a game early on the season. Um, if you look at their, uh, schedule, um, they have faced Alabama and Florida two weeks in, they, uh, they lost Sarkeesian. Um, they lost, uh, the Matt flood, their online coach. It's, I think they could drop one. What about you? I see this is one of those things where you look at their schedule and you say, I wish this was a different year because they're at Florida. And that if that was last year, they easily could have lost that game. But Florida has to replace so much talent. They have Ole Miss at home this year. Um, You know, LSU is at home. Uh, Auburn, they're at Auburn this year, but Auburn's not very good. Uh, I, I think. Other than this week one Miami game, because it's week one, Miami's a great quarterback. I think we're looking at October 9th at Texas A&M. Yeah, that could be one for that's sure. The, that's the big one for the West A&M. They want to talk about we're this, we're that, we're, you know, we're a real contender, we're not a real contender. Um, it's all going to come down to that game. A&M hung with them for about a hot second last year, and then Alabama turned on the afterburners and just blew them out. So – uh, you it's know, Ole Miss too. Like they, they. 
I know a lot of like a lot of people will say, hey, they're playing Texas A&M October 9th. You know, they got Ole Miss the week before, and last year they kind of gave them some trouble. And knowing Nick Saban, I know for a fact he's probably not going to let that happen again on his watch. Yeah, you would. Yeah, you would think they're too well known as the Alabama killer. Um, yeah, and then you know, obviously, it will matter if Bryce Young is any good, especially that first game. Because if he stinks in the first half, the first three quarters, and it doesn't matter how good the other five star they bring in to replace him is, they might have put themselves behind the eight ball too much. Yeah, against a, a you know a pretty good Miami team. However, it's Alabama. Um, yeah, they have but, that typical elite Bama defense. Um, you know, linebackers of strength per usual. Uh, they have one of the best cornerbacks, Josh Job, who allowed like 16.3 QBR in 2020. So, I mean, they they have the talent definitely to run the table for sure. Yeah. Jordan Battle at safety is one of my favorite players to watch. And then even, I mean, out wide, you lose the Heisman Trophy winner and you're just like, whatever. They have John Michi. You had 900 plus yards last year, almost 17 yards of catch. And that was sitting behind Devontae Smith. Um, and show you're like, oh, they lose Najee Harris, but that's okay. Uh, making up the running back room is the number one running back in 2019, two top 10 running backs in 2020, and the number two running back in the 21 class. So, even losing Najee Harris, I think they'll be all right. Yep, yeah, they uh, they definitely, um. What was the over-under on them? They're, what, 11.5? 11. So, they – I said they're going to drop one, so I'm going to go under here at 11 wins. But they could easily shut me up and run, you know, go undefeated this season. Yeah, I'm going to say over because I'm trying to use my powers of mushing them to get them to lose a game. Mm, there you go. Go so, dogs. Yeah. All right, so let, let's roll to their in-state rival, um, Auburn. Six and five last year. I would say a chaotic six and five. Um, they fired Malzon finally uh, after years of will they, won't they with that guy. And they hired Brian Harson from Boise State, which seemed like a good hire at the time. And this guy has proven himself to be a total hardo idiot, making his players take the stairs instead of the elevator because there's no shortcuts in life. <laughs> yep. Yeah, Just that's a great dude. Moron. Nice. Mm. Yeah, um, I don't understand this hire. It, it's just like the Shane Beamer. I, it's e- equally as mind-boggling to me. It's just, just not the kind of culture I would imagine that this team would need is that kind of hardo. Because um, that never goes well, ever, in football. No. Um, I, I don't even know if you could bring stability on to keep this team on track. I mean, on top of them having a brutal, brutal schedule. So it's going to be rough this year for Auburn. Yeah, they do. Uh, one of a good hire, Derek Mason, bringing him on to coach the defense. I think that's smart. He's coaching the SEC for forever now. Um, and they have seven guys back, you know, led by all name first teamers, smoke Monday at safety. Mm. They bring back two, they're two other corners. Name. Um, I, they have to, they just have so much talent here and it's hard for me to see them completely falling off the table, but Harson just seems like a moron. And when you're in, when your two biggest rivals are Alabama and Georgia, you can't waste time on these idiots. Uh, our friend Nick asked us a few questions about Auburn 
do you see Harson taking Auburn to a playoff the next couple of years? Does he does he get the chance to beat Alabama or is he gone before that happens? I ooh, I to be honest with you, man, I think he's gone in a few years. I don't I don't know. You know they they have a really I don't it's I just don't see this working out with Auburn yeah. and Brian Harson. Yep. I agree. Um I think this year is probably going to be his best year because yeah. he's going to have the most talent. Uh, Bo Nix is a total psycho and the nation's most exciting player because you just never know what's going to happen next. And I like that about Bo Nix. Um, they've got Tank Bigsby back at running back. Mike Bobo's here as the OC, so you know they're going to run the damn ball. Yeah. But this schedule is brutal. So, I mean, I think this is going to be the most fun, maybe the most talented team maybe the best team in terms of uh, maybe not in terms of wins and losses, but in terms of talent that he's going to have. Um, so I do wonder if they're going to win eight games this year and then seven, then six, then five, and then he's fired again. And we're doing yeah, the same they, thing they, with anyone else. They're going to be regressing over the years. I think um, this defense is above average, but it's trending in the wrong direction. Um, yeah. I don't, Bo Nix is a guy who can extend plays, and when he does that, he's great. But when he's running a scripted offense and he's in between the tackles, he is not good. I have a feeling that LSU TJ Finley transfer may take over at some point this season because they're going to be facing a tough schedule. I mean, Penn State, then two weeks later, LSU Georgia, and a feisty Arkansas. Uh, It's I can see Bo Nix getting the bench here at some point during the season. Yeah, maybe maybe after the Arkansas game because they have a bye week in the Ole Miss. I can see yeah. that. Uh, I, I I'm with you. I'm gonna take the under. I, I think this is a bowl team. That it's seven. I think that yeah, six and six, seven and five is about what we're looking at here. Yeah, I agree. To their fellow Tigers in the division, LSU, who had a disastrous start to the year by getting absolutely clowned by Mississippi State. Um, they kind of got it together with, you know, they beat South Carolina, they beat Arkansas, they beat Florida, they beat Ole Miss. Those are the Florida Ole Miss, especially, were good wins. But they got the doors blown off them by Alabama. Um, they got embarrassed by Texas A&M, scoring seven points. Uh, can this team get back on track? Uh, yeah, I think twenty twenty was a wake up call for the LSU Tigers. Um, they, I mean, they. I think Coach O made a mistake of uh, hiring polar opposite and coordinators that they did their national title run. Yeah. So he got rid of them quickly. He got two new co- coordinators and Jake Peets and offensive coordinator and Durant Jones defensive coordinator. So they should be better than Pelini and Lennon. Um, they definitely have enough talent here to go 10 and two. I think um, I don't think they're going to let what happened 2020 affect what's going to happen this year. Yeah. Yeah, they have a ton of talent. Top two running backs are back from last year. Um, they're another team that just recruits like crazy. Louisiana is a huge hotbed. Um, they're right there by East Texas. They get a lot of those kids as well. Uh, it's going to come down to how Max Johnson is going to play um, since Miles Brown broke his arm fishing, I think it was. Yeah, uh, it happened pretty recently. Um 
I know that Max Johnson was trending in a more positive direction as a quarterback last year than Miles Brennan was. Um, yeah. So I think they'll be fine. Their O line's intact. They uh, Max's go to Kayshawn Boots back. He's a keeper as wide receiver. They, I mean, <clears throat> they're also loaded up defensively. They have the best cornerback duo in the NCAA probably, and Derek Stingley Jr. and Eli Ricks. Yep. So they they are they they got the tools to once again may try to get back to that national championship glory. Yeah, I, I think the defense just can't be worse than it was last yeah. year. So you figure a little more consistency on defense. Uh, they bounce back a little bit on offense. And, yeah, like you said, I don't know if I see 10 wins, but I think nine and three is, is pretty doable here. Yeah, I agree. Um, but – that being said, I could see things also going very badly off the rails. For Coach O's sake, I hope not. Yeah, I think even starting week one uh, in the Rose Bowl against a UCLA team that already played, um, LSU has, you know, inexperience. They've had to move around a lot because of the hurricane. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'm putting it in the Tickler file. I think we'll cover that a little bit more when we get to the week one games. Mm-hmm. Now, I think maybe the most exciting team in maybe the nation in terms of the fireworks going to get came to game, those Ole Miss Rebels. Uh, five and five last year. Pretty good. Um, Rick Kiffin's first year, especially pandemic. You install everything you want to install. Uh, so my question is, how high is this team ceiling? Man, uh, I this team, like you said, this team's a lot of fun. They, their offense is explosive, electric. Um, right now, unless there's a massive fix on defense, I don't see them winning more than eight games. Ooh. Um, I it's just. I mean, yes, Matt Corral is could make a Heisman run. Uh, there's lots of firepower yeah. here to roll over teams. I mean, their trio of running backs that have over 1,500 yards are back. Uh, they got some pretty good wide receivers that filled that Elijah Moore hole. Mm-hmm. It's just there. Uh, there's some questions here. Their O line is a bit of a concern. I mean, they fired their O line coach after spring ball practice, and that's that's a little uh, weird. That's weird. Uh, their defense. I don't know if Lane Kiffin made the right hires with DJ Durkin and Chris Partridge. I mean, they have nine back, which could be good. I mean, that could, you know, that experience could definitely help. I just, they're going to be, they're going to have a better record last year from last year. I believe, I just don't see them winning more than eight games. Yeah. I, and then slightly disagree with you here. I just think the offense is that good. And a few stats from the defense last year. 126 in yards per game, 125th in passing yards per game, 117th in points per game, 115th in yards per play allowed. Uh, Again, sort of like LSU, I just don't think it's possible for the defense to be that bad. Again, Jock Wells Jones at linebacker, uh, 75 tackles last year. He's a stud, I think. Uh, If this defense can just be okay. It doesn't even need to be good. It yeah. just needs to be not in the triple digits. If we're talking, this is the 75th best defense in the country this year. I think this team could win nine games. Wow. I mean, All right. I, yeah. I, I, 
I think they benefit again from a lot of the programs being down that they have to face. Yeah, uh, they have a, they have a definitely a very weakish schedule. Um, yeah, I I mean seven seven and five is not bad. Just saying, it's but <laughs> don't kill me, Steve. But uh, yeah, I mean at nine is probably. I mean, like I said, that defense is marginally better. That's one hundred percent possible. Yeah, and they just have LSU and at Auburn. You know, games that normally would be very, very difficult. Um, both those teams could be in utter disarray by then, and neither of those teams has a quarterback of Corral's capability. Right. I think, yeah, maybe my boldest take here, I think Ole Miss will finish third in the West. I think nine wins here is what I'm looking at. Okay. I, I really like what Kiffin's done. I really like the way this team is shaping up right now. Um, don't hold this against me when they go four and eight. Yeah, and I will be sitting here saying I was right. Yeah. But don't hold it against me. They do well, too. Yeah. <laughs> now we're going to head – to Starkville for their in-state rivals, Mississippi State. Is this the week one Bulldogs when they beat the defending national champion LSU? Or is this week two through ten when they uh, scored two points against Kentucky? Uh, man, they were an up-and-down team, weren't they? Um... They uh, sure were. After 44 in the first game, and then in the next um, – it took them five games to score 44 points total combined. I think Mississippi State can be a dangerous team this year. Oh. Um, the pieces are there. Um, this is one – they have one year under the air raid belt with Mike Leach. The offense is going to be fine. They had a full off season. The O-line should be better suited. They have four freshmen, sophomores that had over 200 snaps last year in 2020. They have more experience. Um, and on top of that, Mike Leach has a good defense. I mean, he inherited Dan Mullins rest of that, uh, yeah. defense. They have maybe the second best cornerback duo and Martin Emerson and Emmanuel Forbes. One of the best linebackers in the SEC, Aaron Burel is a keeper. They run like that in a, a great shutdown defense of the three, three, five. Um, I, if that offense, isn't as rollercoastery and they hit that week one stride from last year all the way through the season. I can easily see them getting over seven wins this year. Yeah. Uh, I, I do agree with you. I do think this is a, a pretty good team. Will Rogers is much more a air raid style quarterback than yeah. uh, KJ Costello was. Um, so I think he's in, and again, this is another team that really didn't um, really struggle because of the pandemic not having spring practice when you install an offense like this, which is all based on timing and reps and practice, uh, that could be an issue. Or you know that was I think that was an issue last year. I think that will not be an issue this year. Right. I still think they're probably you know fourth or fifth best uh, you know in the West. Um, but I, I kind of like what I'm seeing here. I think this is a bowl team. Uh, the over number, over under number is six, and since we don't do pushes, I will be taking the over. Yes, yes. Actually, yeah, I agree with you there. I think seven wins is very possible for this team. Yeah. Now we head to Alabama's true competition, if there can ever really be competition in the SEC West. 
Texas A&M, a strong 9-1 last year, 8-1. They didn't deserve to be in the playoff. Cry about it. I don't want to hear it. Uh, You deserve to be a struggle with North Carolina in the Orange Bowl. Anyway, they – they bring a ton back on defense, a lot back on offense. However, they do not bring back Kellen Mond at quarterback. They just named Fresh Haynes King as the starter. Can King and the rest of this Aggies team challenge Alabama? I don't think they can. And I think they're on the right path to. I think they're close. Um, they just... Jimbo is building – Jimbo Fisher is building something great, uh, but I don't think it's ready to take on Bama. He's building a very good talent pool. Yeah. Um, they just are uh, – they're very predictable on offense, in my opinion. Um, they they pass on passing downs. They run on running downs. They never implement RPOs or motions or pass, you know, uh, play actions. And most elite teams do that. And I, I just don't – I think Alabama still is the king in the SC West. Yeah. You know, AM has a lot to like. They do. Andy Smith out wide, Chase Lane out wide, a great tight end, Jan Wiedermeyer. Wiedermeyer, Wiedermeyer, whatever. He's good. <laughs> um, they bring back uh, Isaiah Spiller at running back, who's very good. Yeah. Over 1,000 yards last year. Um, I think. I think they can challenge Alabama to some degree. Um, again, they do have that nice schedule set up where not only do they have a, a player like Spiller that you can kind of lean on as your freshman quarterback learns the ropes, they open with Kent State, Colorado, New Mexico, and then Arizona, or then Arkansas. That's a pretty easy schedule to warm yeah, up Yeah, it's a very easy lead-in. And, and so that gives you some time for some growing pains for King and you know I, I like that setup for them and then week five or their fifth game Mississippi State uh, that'll tell us a lot um, and then that leads us right into that Alabama game and October 9th that's I mean that's one of the biggest games of the year I think one of the top five most important games of the year um, and I think it is in College Station, which will be full, all 102,000 people in there going absolutely bonkers. They're total weirdos down there. Uh, I think, you know, maybe Bryce Young isn't the best quarterback in the country. Maybe he's merely the 10th best quarterback in the country. And maybe that's enough for AM to knock them off. Yeah. I mean, their defense is about to be elite, I think. Um, Mike Elko's improved this unit vastly. Yeah. They have probably two SEC all defensive linemen and uh, DeMarvin Leal and Jordan uh, Jaden Peavy. They got teams off the field. They ranked 13th in SP plus uh, 14 of 16, 200 snap plus players return. So uh, they could use, I mean, uh, the way to beat Alabama is to punch them in the mouth and all gas, no breaks and don't let up. And I think they, they I mean, that's the way to beat Alabama and A&M is suited up to do that. I just don't think that they can right now. Yeah. Again, this is another one of those teams where, if they had this team with Mon back, I think this we're having a different conversation. Yes, and you know maybe King's a stud, but it, it's he has hard, great upside for sure. It's really hard for me to just sit there and just confidently say this freshman quarterback is going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. So right now, where I'm sitting, August thirty first, no, they can't. 
I would love to be wrong, I guess, but it's going to take a few weeks for us to really have uh, a good idea on what this team really is and what they can really do. Right. Nine and a half is the over under here. I think I'm going to go over. They have a a pretty decent schedule. Non-conference is pretty soft, so I'll I'll take the over here. Um, Yeah, I'm with you on that. I agree there. Okay, last team in the SEC, our final uh, preview of of our first ever season, Patrick. Uh, what is what a trip it's been? What a journey! And there's no place I'd rather end the preview series than uh, those Arkansas Razorbacks. Mm. I think uh, Sam Pittman is spiritually the third Michael in this podcast. Uh, so he loves barbecue and he loves getting dirty. So. You know, that's my guy. That's a guy right there. That's, you know, guys being dudes right there. Yeah. Yeah, Arkansas is, uh, what, what, three and seven last year? Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're definitely, you know how you you said a bad three and seven? Yeah. Uh, This team is definitely a good three and seven, I think. Uh, They are a very competitive team. Um, Sam Pittman's got this team to buy in to what's going on here. Um, 19 stars are back. Uh, I think the goal for them this year is to be 500 in 2021. I think that's very possible. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, three losses last year by a combined seven points. You know, and when the games are that close, it's basically random. Like they easily could have flipped those games or a few of those games, been five and five, six and four, um, and I think they get some of the bounces this year. Uh, I think they could be sitting in a much better place. Uh, drawing Georgia on the road from the East is not super nice for them. Yeah. But uh, like Rice, Georgia Southern, Arkansas Pine Bluff are their non-con games. Those are three easy wins. And frankly, I mean, I would not be surprised to see this team beat Texas week two. Uh, they just, they bring back a ton. They obviously don't bring back Felipe Franks at quarterback. But KJ Jefferson might fit that offense a little bit better. Yeah, he's definitely a question, but I mean, this is because you didn't see a lot from him. But he he's suited well with pretty good slot receiver and Traylon uh, Traylon Burks, and uh, I mean they got a really good big man wide receiver and Davion Warren, good running back too. So I think he's got the tools to lead this offense properly. Yeah, I think this team is just chaotic enough. Nine starters back uh, to a defense that wasn't spectacular, but it wasn't bad. Yeah, uh, they, they didn't have a lot of disruption up front, which is yeah. not good, but they did get a transfer from Missouri, Trey Williams, to help. I don't know how much it can help, but it's definitely, you know, a trend in the right direction there. Yeah, so it's uh, over-under for them is five and a half. I think I'm going to take the flight over. I think this is just barely a bowl team. Yeah, uh, we agree, good sir. I'm with you there. Uh, okay, so we both have Alabama-Georgia uh, taking in their divisions here. Yep. Yeah. Uh, now, do you think those dogs can beat Alabama? God, I hope so. Uh, <laughs> yes, I think they can. It's uh, it. Someone, someone has to. One of Nick Saban's old assistants has to beat Nick Saban, and Kirby Smart's team right now is best suited to do so. And for the love of God, Kirby, please do not call a fake punt. Please, just yeah, punt the ball. Yeah, I think. I, you know, I think I'm going to go a little – I'm going to take Georgia as well. I think 
they are uniquely suited in the conference to challenge Alabama this year. They bring back uh, a quarterback, which, you know, Florida, A&M, LSU, none of those Auburn or no Auburn does, but Florida, A&M, LSU, none of those teams bring back a stud quarterback like Georgia does. Plus Georgia has all those four and five stars. They recruit to a level that's just shy of Alabama, but still in that elite class. So I think if Georgia, like you say, can avoid shooting themselves squarely in the penis, um, I think this the dogs. This is the dogs' year to win the SEC. Yep. Go dogs! All right, that's our SEC preview. It's the last of our conference previews. Now we're going to get into a little bit of a season preview to some degree. We're going to do a little game here, a little playoff draft. I think this is going to be a little more interesting than us just saying Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma. Uh, maybe swapping Georgia for one of those teams. Uh, so how we're going to do this is there's six categories, and we're each going to pick one from each. We're going to do a snake draft. And at the end of the year, whoever has the you know most teams in the playoff, you get one point for the in the final playoff rankings – Number one seed gets one point. Number two seed gets two points, et cetera, et cetera. If the team you pick finish unranked, you get a 50-point uh, penalty. And the player with the lowest score of their top four teams uh, will win. The categories are team that made the playoff last year, team that didn't make the playoff last year, an unranked team in the AP Top 25 a team that had a losing record last year, a group of five team, and a team with a new head coach. You can play along with us at home. We'd love to see those drafts. However, none of them will be as good as mine. All right. With that said, Ned, would you like to take the first pick? Yeah. uh, With the first pick, uh, I'm going to dip into the team that did not make the playoff last year, and I'm going to pick Oklahoma. Wow. That's a great pick there, sir. Yeah, I think, you know, they stumbled a bit last year. Um, they got dr- down in the mud with Kansas State and Iowa State, but I think they are really set up to do well this year, and I think there's almost nothing as guaranteed as Oklahoma making the playoffs. All right. Um, with my first pick, I'm going to pick a team with a new head coach, Texas. Oh, Steve Sarkeesian. Horns are not down. This team could go all the way. It's very possible. Also, there's not a lot of other new head coaches that could possibly take them to the playoffs. Yeah, that's it's a little tough. I also like that we have uh, recreated the Red River, Red River rivalry with our first-round picks. There you go. Um, and as we go with the snake format here, I'm going to pick my second pick. Uh, you picked Ole Miss that didn't make the playoff? Or, oh, sorry, Oklahoma that didn't make the playoff? Yeah. Okay. I am going to go in a different direction, I think. And uh, – Unranked team, I'm going to pick Ole Miss. Ah, I think obviously that's one of the one of the best options there. We just talked about them. I think even if they don't make the playoff, that's a that if they don't end up in the top 25 at the end of the year, I'll be very surprised. Yes, I agree. Um, I'm going to go with a team that had a losing record last year, and I'm going to take Penn State. Ooh, that's a good pick. Uh, I think if any team in the East can jump up and beat Ohio State, it's going to be Penn State this year. We talked about them last week. They bring back a quarterback, a lot of talent in State College. Uh, Hell, it's not going to be fucking Michigan. Yeah. So um, 
with my next pick, uh, I'm going to pick. Ah, oh, gosh, I really should have gotten Texas, shouldn't I? That team with new head coach is brutal. It's Utah Very State. Weird. Utah State's the second best, I think. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to take team with a new head coach, uh, Central Florida. Ooh, that's, yeah. That's I a think, sneaky good pick. Yeah, Malzahn's there. Uh, we didn't cover the group of five too much. Dylan Gabriel, it's a very talented team. Uh, and they have a new head coach, which – because Heupel's at Tennessee now. Right. Uh, so I think I'm getting a little lucky with that pick. Mm-hmm. Um, so my next pick, I'm going to do a unranked team. Uh, I'm going to go UCLA. Uh, I think this is Chip Kelly's year. Uh, I think he could easily – project this team to the playoffs they has the tools you never know chip kelly's a sneaky dude uh is that you said that's a team with a losing record uh yes yes okay yes. okay and uh for my next pick i'm gonna do a group of five and i'm going to pick cincinnati <sighs> this team is always always on the cusp of the playoff not this time folks uh they have an easy they, I think they can make it the playoffs for sure. Uh, yeah. Nothing like a little group of five chaos. Yeah, I think I mean games with Notre Dame and Indiana, two teams ranked in the top fifteen, early in the year, and they have a lot of attention from last year from playing very close with Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, being ranked, I mean, we all know you can't come outside the top twenty-five if you're a group of five team and make the playoffs. So being ranked eight to start the year is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. For me, uh, I'll do my group of five team here. Um, I will take Boise State. Wow, okay. Uh, I, of course, probably would have taken UCF, but I had to use that on the head coach thing. Uh, Harson is obviously at Auburn, but they bring in Andy Avalos, who played at Boise State, I believe. It's at least coached there before, so he knows the culture. Uh, he knows the area. He knows how to recruit. And in a lot of ways, that's a program that kind of runs itself. I think their floor is pretty damn high, maybe the highest in the country. Um, I mean, this is what the fourth different coach, and if they win less than nine games, I'll be stunned. Mm-hmm. That's a great pick, Ned. Uh, and then let's see, my unranked team. I am going to go with Utah. Utah, okay. I love Kyle Winningham. I love that program. I love Charlie Brewer. Um, I like that team. I think. USC takes a step back. Arizona State's in chaos. Hey, they're in the Pac-12 championship game. No problem. Pretty easy. Pretty easy pick. Uh, for my team that didn't make the playoff this year, everyone should know what this pick's going to be. <laughs> Georgia, go dogs. They are going to win the national title this year. Um, believe in JT Daniels. Believe in Kirby. Uh, it's going to happen, folks. And uh, for my last pick, a team that – made the playoffs last year, I am not going to pick those sinners, Alabama. I'm going to take Ohio State University. Wow. Uh, nice. I think that's a pretty good bet. And another good bet, I was going to take – if you did not take these guys, I'm taking Clemson. Clemson, nice. Nobody took Bama. How about that? I think if you – like we talked about, I, I think – it is the SEC, and they do have a good chance of getting two teams in. But if you look at the – Ohio State just has a much better chance of winning the Big Ten than the SEC. Right. And, you know, Clemson, they have a bad 
It's one of the ACC. Yep. Yeah, that makes the most sense. You're right. Okay, so uh, your playoff teams, Texas, Ole Miss, UCLA, Cincinnati, Georgia, and Ohio State. I've got Oklahoma, Penn State, Central Florida, Boise State, Utah, and Clemson. All solid picks around. Yep. All right. That ends our playoff drafts. Uh, We will be fervently rooting for those teams as the year goes on. And now we can get to what we're all here for, those week one games. Uh, Patrick, first and foremost, Thursday night, we just talked about them a little bit. We have Boise State plus five at the bounce house down in Orlando against Central Florida. Who you got? You know what? Uh, that's a very fun game right there. I I think I'm going to take Boise here because I think a lot of people are sleeping on Boise. A lot of people are writing them off like they've lost their glory. I think they're going to come in and say, hey, we're still here, folks. I love that. Uh, unfortunately for me, I want Boise to win, but I'm going to take UCF. I like the Gabriel a ton, especially at home. Yep. The second big game that night, Ohio State minus 14 against Minnesota. Is there a chance the Gophers pull the upset off here? Uh, no, but I think Minnesota is going to put up a fight. I think the first half, Minnesota is going to be within reach, and then Ohio State is going to be like, oh, I had enough of this tomfoolery and take over. Yep. I- Friday night in what I just feel bad for Hokies fans because North Carolina and Tech are playing at 6 o'clock on Friday. Everybody's going to be watching. Yep, it's the only game on uh, for at least an hour or two. So everyone's going to see what's about to happen. Uh, uh, it's going to be rough. I'm, I'm taking the heels here. Uh, it's The spread's only five and a half, but I think this could get ugly. Sold out crowd in Blacksburg, Virginia, oh. Friday night. Everybody's going to be there. They're going to be lit for Inner Sandman, the only cool thing that's happened in that program for a long time. And then UNC's going to blow the doors off their ass. Uh, It's not going to be pretty, folks. It is not going to be. Immediately following that UNC Tech game, we've got the Dickos game of the week. You know, insert sound here. We're working on it. Uh, Michigan State plus three against Northwestern. Uh, Patrick, first and foremost, how much of a Sickos game do you think this is on a scale of one to UConn? Uh, I think it is very UConn. Uh, mm. It's going to be not pretty. Uh, Northwestern not figuring out what they're going to be this year. They're going to be good or bad. Michigan State going through whatever the hell they're going through right now. It's not going to be pretty. It's I might have Northwestern winning this game. Um I, I can see that happening. I might go minus three with Northwestern. Yeah, I'm going to take Northwestern to win, but we're all going to lose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Saturday at noon, big, big, big game in the Big Ten. Wisconsin minus five and a half against Penn State. Do you think Penn State can pull off the upset here and really get their season started off on the right foot? Uh, For James Franklin's sake, I hope so. But... Uh... I think I'm going to take Wisconsin here uh, by a touchdown. Um, and then I think Penn State will be fine. Um, they have plenty of other games to create some havoc here. Um, but I'm going to take Wisconsin. Yeah, I think Wisconsin is just a little more of a complete team. A yes. little more. Second game, Miami-Alabama. Alabama is favored by 19 and a half. Is there any way this is the year that 
name brand program that Alabama plays in some NFL stadium actually beats them. I don't think Miami is going to beat Alabama. Um, they could, uh, but I do think that they will keep this within the spread. I think they will lose elegantly by 10 to 14. I like that. I like that. Uh, I think this is going to be sort of like you said with Ohio State, Minnesota. I think this is a game Miami hangs around in for two, two and a half quarters. And I think Alabama turns on the Jets. Yeah. Pulls away late. Next up, also at 330. I mean, what a loaded window. Indiana, Iowa. That's another top 15 matchup. Iowa is favored by three. Do you like the Hoosiers to continue the magical run from last year? Or do you like that big boy, Big Ten West football? Mm, I'm going to go. This is a tough one because I like both these teams a lot. Yeah, same. Um, I'm going to go Iowa here. Uh, if Iowa wants to make a run for the Big Ten, they have to win this game. Yeah, uh, we've been agreeing too much. So I'm going to take Indiana here. There you go. Like, uh, at 4:30, a game that is also could benefit from the weird windows, and everyone's seeing the end of this if this goes badly. Texas minus eight against the raging Cajuns of Louisiana. Um, Louisiana is ranked. Yeah, they are. They're a Both very good team. A good team. They beat Iowa State last year. It was a hell of a good team. Uh, do you think Texas will start the Sarkeesian era off right, and will they be fully back by beating the Thunder? Nothing says is Texas back like coughing up a dumb one against a team like Louisiana. <laughs> um, but uh, I, for Sarkeesian's sake and the trajectory of the program they want to be at, I think Texas will win, and I hope they win. Uh, I like it. However, I'm getting spicy for the Cajuns. I'm taking Louisiana here. There you go. Uh, and of course, the big one. This is we've all been looking forward to this game for six plus months. I know I have. Clemson, Georgia, in Charlotte, North Carolina. Clemson is favored by three. Patrick, do you think your dogs will take down the Tigers? I think it's very possible. It's it's a toss up game. Um, this is the marquee matchup. Everybody should be huddled by their TV. This could be the matchup of the year. Um, I think Georgia is going to come out strong. I for God, I hope they do. Um, Clemson's great. They got a lot of questions to that quarterback. They got some questions to back in the defense. I think JT Daniels can expose that. I'm going to take the dogs here. I think the dogs will win this game. I'm going to take the dogs as well. I just think Clemson's replacing just a little too much, and I have questions about that defense. And if there's one thing Georgia has, it's a great offense. I think this could be a 44-40 type game. I think this was going to be it's going to be electric and it's sort of a great welcome back to college football. Yes. A Sunday night we have two historical programs, one headed in a good direction, one uh, maybe headed to the toilet. Notre Dame minus seven and a half uh, versus Florida State down in Tallahassee. Is there any chance Florida State knocks off Notre Dame and kind of returns to relevance? Absolutely not. Notre Dame by 20. Yeah. Lock uh, of the week right there, folks. Ooh, locking it up. I, I, I'm I going to agree. They're, I think they're going to kill Florida State. Yeah. They have played them a lot recently with the new with the ACC. And they just don't scare me. Um, and even though Notre Dame is taking a slight step back in terms of all the talent they lost, uh, the floor of this program is very high. And I just don't think Florida State has it together enough, especially week one with all those transfers they have, 
to just all of a sudden, you know, jump up and be the top 10 team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And then Monday night, closing out the weekend, uh, should be a lot of fun. Uh, Ole Miss Louisville, I think this game could have over 100 points total scored. Yeah, it could easily happen. Um, Whereas a lot of these games this week, we're going to see the beautiful part of the game with, you know, high-scoring affairs. Ole Miss and Louisville is going to bring the beautiful part of the game in terms of uniform. Ole Miss might be in the powder blues. Louisville is going to be in the all reds. It's going to be awesome. I think Ole Miss is going to steamroll Louisville. Um, That offense is going to roll over this, and I don't think Louisville is going to be able to keep up. Yeah, right there with you. I think Ole Miss wins comfortably. Uh, Maybe you can fall asleep on the couch in the fourth quarter as a nice little treat and end to the weekend. Patrick, those are the big games. Those are that's eleven of the biggest games. Uh, is there another game that's not in there that you're looking forward? To? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to UCLA LSU. Um, that's going to be another very interesting matchup. Number sixteen LSU goes to the Rose Bowl, so it's going to be great watching all of those um, Cajun fans just mucking it up in the Rose Bowl. Uh, because I think UCLA is just this year allowing allowing um, alcohol sales, so yeah. they're going to get sold out with it by the first quarter. Yeah, um, it's it's going to be a great game too. Both teams are awesome. I think LSU is going to win this game um, if Coach O wants to instill confidence back into his program, and it's going to be close. But I'm going to take LSU. Yeah, that game should be a lot of fun. I, I think outside of going to Berkeley, I can't think of a better culture clash than LSU fans and UCLA fans. Yeah. Uh, the game I'm looking forward to uh, is Maryland-West Virginia. It's definitely going to get lost because <clears throat> it kicks off at 3.30 along with Miami-Alabama, Indiana-Iowa, and that Texas-Louisiana game at 4.30. So you probably won't see it much on your TV. But these are two programs who, if things go right this year, could end the year ranked. They're both exciting and interesting to me in different ways. I like what Neil Brown has done at West Virginia, kind of building it up slowly, steadily, culture, getting his guys in. And then on the flip side, Lockheed Maryland has really focused on just bringing in a ton of high-level talent, high-level recruits. So I'm kind of interested to see that clash. Yeah, it's it's a good – this matchup is a good gauge to tell where both of these programs are at and where they're going to be come the outcome. Yeah. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that one. That one is at 3.30 as well. Uh, I mean, Patrick, we, we we made it. I mean, by the time y'all are listening to this, it'll be maybe less than 24 hours even, 36 hours. Uh, we got a game tomorrow, man. UAB, I, Jacksonville right. State. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my. you know I'm going to watch it. It's going to be great. Of course. you got Probably to. just one quarter, but hey, it's football. Yeah, at least a series or two. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just – I mean – do you have anything special planned? Are you making a nice menu? Uh, how many TVs are you going to have? Ooh, I'm going to have my – I'm going to bring out my second TV. I'm going to have the classic on my 65-inch, the main game of the oh, yeah. morning or noon, afternoon, night, late night slate. And then on my smaller TV to the left, I will have the ESPN Plus quad box playing. So there will be multiple games being viewed. What about you, Ned? Uh, I've got the just the one main TV – We've got two others around the house that I might dig up and try to hook up um, to the Xbox or something. But I'm really just going to bask in the one game. I think I might make some nachos, maybe yep. some burgers. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm course, making some wings. Yeah, of course, have a few cold ones and just really uh, savor it. Because last year, 
Uh, we had Labor Day weekend. We had like two games. They were random FCS group of five games. It just didn't really feel right. And even when the rest of the football came back, the SEC and stuff, we had 25% capacity, 0% capacity. Uh, every day or every time you open up Twitter, you were uh, greeted with more game cancellations. Um, and just being able to hopefully uh, avoid that for the most part this year is something I think I'm looking forward to more than anything, just kind of that sense of normalcy on the field. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's just fully capacity stadiums is going to be great. It's going to be marching band being there. It's I'm so looking forward to this. Yeah, I cannot wait. All right, let's close with some listener questions. We have um, a couple from our friend Nick here that focus on the SEC. Uh, he says, South Carolina and Tennessee always seem to be neck and neck in the East. Every year for the last decade, the, ga- the games come down to the wire, and both teams tend to finish in the middle of the pack in the East. Both teams that first year had coaches, so I imagine this trend will continue. Uh, but this could also have a much bigger impact than most years as it could potentially give the winning coach a leg up in that division over the other in terms of recruiting and that sort of stuff. So who do you think wins this game in 2021? Well, I remember Tennessee lost a a one and ugly one last year, you know, stole it from South Carolina and South Carolina was the better team then. And South Carolina is the better team. Now I think South Carolina is winning this game. They have, like we said earlier, Tennessee's, very questionable depth on defense. Their offense is not great, but I mean, they have new offense to be high up, you know, up tempo and everything. I just think South Carolina is better suited to beat Tennessee. Yeah. I like South Carolina as well. Um, I, yeah. Like you said, I think they're a little bit better suited for this. And I also think that con- leading into this game, South Carolina has Kentucky and Troy. Tennessee has Florida and Missouri. So I think just from a pure scheduling standpoint, South Carolina should have the leg up here. Yeah. Uh, okay, another one. Uh, over under Ole Miss averaging 575 yards of total offense per game. Man, that's – I got to go over, right? Like, Yeah. Last year they averaged 555 yards per game against an all-SEC schedule. Um do you think they can continue that magic or will teams have sort of figured them out? Nope. They're going to, they're going to roll over teams with this offense. It's so potent. Yeah. And I think while the defense will be a little bit better, it's not going to be good enough uh, for them just to be able to uh, relax. I think that offense is still going to have scored a ton of points to win games. Yep. Okay. We got one from our friend, Steve. He said, what are the odds an SEC coach gets fired this year? Uh, I think the odds are fairly low. Um, a lot of these coaches on the SEC are new this year or they're in year two. Yeah. Um, I think the only two coaches that are on the hot seat, if there is a hot seat, is Coach O at LSU. And I don't even think Dan Mullen's close. Uh, but yeah. <clears throat> if Coach O has another season like he did this year, I think you probably get fired. But I just don't see that being probable. Yeah, I, I think so. Like you said, everyone's got a new coach or a successful coach. I think LSU is the only one. I mean, granted, of course, barring any like off the field scandals, it's, I guess you always have to have a five to 10% chance of that in the SEC. Um, so I'll put it at about a, a 10 to 15% chance yeah, someone I'm, gets fired. Yeah. There's always one that surprises you. 
um, in the, you know, in the power five somewhere, you know, maybe it's Mark Stoops if Kentucky, you know, really bottoms out this year and they decide, Hey, we might be able to be something more. Thanks for building foundation, but see ya. Yeah. But, uh, and then Steve also says, who are your player of the year picks in the sec? I got three. Um, okay. I, I can't, it's either going to be um, Matt Corral. Yeah. I think he's, Probably uh, one of the best, the best quarterback, maybe um, JT Daniels. Yeah. And Isaiah Spiller, the running back from Texas A&M. I think that dude is a mm. stud. I am going to go personally with Zamir White. I think he's going to have a, That's a great shooter. pick. Um, but like we said before, he might get some of those votes vultured away from his stable of also super talented uh, colleagues in the backfield. Um, I like Corral and Spiller as picks as well, but I'm going to pick Zemir White. Yeah, out of my three, I'm going to go with Spiller. Okay, do you think – last question from our friend Michael. Do you think the SEC could get three teams in the playoff? Uh, no. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe down the line when they expand it, obviously, but it's it's hard to get two in. Um, yeah, it is. It's really difficult. Um, and, and I think – with teams like Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma having pretty easy paths. And even if it's not Oklahoma, it'll be Iowa State to the playoff. I, I just don't see – because not only would the SEC have to – it all have to break right. Clemson would have to have a couple losses, Oklahoma, Ohio State. I don't see that happening. Yeah. Uh, I don't even think they'll get two in, but um, – Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. All right, everyone, that is our episode for the week. Uh, thank you for joining us yet again on a bit of a supersized episode. Uh, next week's episode, I think will be a little more normal. We won't have to run through the games as quickly. Um, we'll cover the games that happened and predict week two. We might move to two episodes a week. If that sounds good to you, split up into two smaller bite-sized pieces. Let us know. Um, of course we love the fans. We always like to take them into account. Um, Patrick, I'm just ready to get going. How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm feeling great. We're going to be – we're getting close to leading into a great Labor Day weekend. Um, it's going to be fun. I'm very excited that we're back. <laughs>